to Beyond the Ring, a podcast that covers all things in the stock show industry from the informative to the insane, starring Ryan Rash. It takes a lot of money and effort and energy to look this cheap. And Dale Hummel. What have I gotten myself into? Now on with the show. Welcome to Beyond the Ring. This is Dale Hummel. Stop! Dale. Yes. I don't know why you do this every week. You always think that you need to be the first one to talk. I'm a person. I have feelings. I have emotions. I think you are discriminating against me. You're a microphone host, so I'm going to introduce this episode now. So you just be quiet for a minute. Hello, and welcome to Beyond the Ring. I am the star. Oh, I meant co-star. Ryan Rash, and I'm here with Dale Hummel. Dale, you may speak now. I appreciate that. You do realize we have a, a junior co-host that you're... That's enough now. We're moving on. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, today on the on the brain, we've got a lot of stuff to talk about. But the main thing that we're going to talk about is we have our first ever junior spotlight episode with Jumping Jack TikTok Hoyle, who created this great video and won our first contest. And he's going to be on in a little bit. And I know that Dill's just over there shaking and twitching uncontrollably because he hasn't got to speak yet. But he does have something important to say off the top. So, okay, Dale, take it away. Well, thank you, Ryan. I, I appreciate you letting me come back on. We are excited to have Jumping Jack TikTok Hoyle joining us today. But before that, it's it's a big day for me here. I just returned from having an antibody test for COVID-19. I had heard on the news this morning, and Ryan actually had texted me that it's all over the news that antibody tests are available. And I did some online searching, and Quest Diagnostics, actually, you can go online. Sign up online for an appointment. Uh, it's very simple. There's Quest Labs all over the country. Go to the lab. They're scheduling one person per 15 minutes, so there's nobody else in the, in the lobby. Get your blood drawn. You come back home, and they email you the results within three to four days. If my antibody test comes back positive, that I've, I have antibodies and I'm, I'm protected to a certain degree from COVID-19, we're going to Vegas. We're going to Disney. I don't care if it's closed or not. Where we're going, it's time to take advantage of of everything. I'm all about the the Vegas, like seriously, the most on the Vegas. Actually, I'm glad that you went and got your antibody test. But as you said when I texted you earlier, it's all over the news that the antibody test is going to be the biggest driving factor on. I think even more important than the number of cases and the number of deaths that have happened is because like the states that are further along in the antibody testing are coming to find out that 25% or more of the population in those places have antibodies to Miss Rona, but yet they never showed symptoms, they weren't sick, they weren't hospitalized, any of that stuff. And so on Tucker Carlson last night, his main point was, if this trend continues, then basically we've done all this for nothing because there's no way of stopping the vast majority of us from getting Miss Rona in some form or fashion. But so, yeah, he, he was really upset about it all last night. But I am glad you got your antibody test. And I'm going to say that if you have antibodies for COVID-19, you have literally been sheltered in place since January 1 and afraid, like been in a hazmat suit. Like, I think your wife told me you now sleep in a hazmat suit these days. And so if you have antibodies to it, Almost everybody does because you were worried about Miss Rona before I like Wuhan knew existed. I I would agree as as somewhere in late February March one I did I did lock down to a certain degree 
Craig Benoit, our, our manager, attended San Antonio and Houston and came back fairly ill from one of those. So I'm hoping that he brought it back and contaminated myself and my family at that point. And in all seriousness, I, I hope I have the antibodies. I hope my family has it. It was $129 to get tested and get your test results back. To me, that's that's a, a minimal pet price to pay to get that peace of mind that, yes, I, I do have those antibodies or no, I don't. And by the way, Ryan, I did charge that to Beyond the Ring. Uh, so it's 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 going to be coming across your desk at some point. Perfect. Again, here I am just paving the way for you, Dale, and you're still putting me in lockdown and discriminating against me, but that's fine. Anyhow, uh, and I think if if we take a, a serious approach towards the the antibiotic testing, and individuals can go online, it's such a simple process. The more numbers that we get through that system, and and Quest Diagnostics is not the only one that's going to be testing. There's, I'm sure, several out there that are available. And as more of those get FDA approval, we can take numbers up to unprecedented levels. And, and Ryan's correct. If, if we're setting at 25% or greater, which I, I think that's an optimistic number, but I'm very hopeful that we're there, a lot of what we have done is, is for no reason. And if I were to try to make some predictions and, and look at some of the examples from other countries around the world, I like to look towards Sweden. They they did something that, in hindsight, in my mind, was probably a good idea. They took all of their federal resources and locked down the nursing homes, locked down anybody that may have a secondary condition that would make them high risk to COVID-19, that they would have problems, and they told the rest of the population to continue on about their way. And being able to focus those resources on those that absolutely need to avoid it appears to be working at this point. I'm sure in a couple months we'll we'll know more about that. And even here in the U.S., we're we're at the point where we have different states that are are opening up. There's a huge difference, for example, between Ryan and Texas and and myself here in Illinois. And I don't know what's going to work best. I hope it's the opening up and loosening of of the restrictions. But we're going to have all these microcosms of of states that we can look to to say, okay, here's what's working, here's what's not. I just hope the governors have the foresight to follow whatever direction's working. I hope this new antibody test does help in that direction. And because this week's been really bad for the junior livestock show industry, because this week alone, the California State Fair has announced that it is going to cancel for this summer. And also the National Junior Red Angus Show has announced that they are canceling for this summer, even though those events are end of June for the National Junior Red Angus Show and California State Fairs mid-July, they're way, way far down the road. They've already announced that they're going to cancel. And I hope that this isn't a domino effect where others will follow suit and that we can get more advanced and farther along in terms of antibody testing and stuff like that. So maybe we can see that we don't have to cancel that. the. I mean, and it's not the shows, of course, that the government in those different states can see that we don't have to cancel those events this early or hopefully at all. No, I agree completely. And I, and I understand a state fair and some of these larger events, they have to decide at a certain point to, to let their, their concessions know and, and all the scheduling and planning that goes on. And I still encourage them to wait to that last minute. 
and there was a lot of talk when when California State Fair shut down. Ryan put up a post something about we can go to the beach, but we can't go to California State Fair, and it it drew a lot of attention, a lot of comments asking why and, and focusing on that itself. What I would like to to make clear is that it's interesting. We can have the federal government make recommendations, the three phase recommendations. We can have the governors of each state make their recommendations and implement what they think is is best. And then it comes down to the local level where our mayors of some of these cities are are making recommendations or enforcing certain things. It's the same kind of a situation. For example, the California State Fair Board, I believe, voted unanimously to cancel the fair. I don't think any of them wanted to cancel the fair. But at the same time, even if they would have voted to keep the state fair open, that that decision on their part really doesn't mean that much because ultimately the governor is going to decide whether or not we're going to have gatherings of that size. So the local fair boards, the state fairs, they can they can say we're going to stay open, but unfortunately sometimes the governor is going to make those decisions for the better or for the worse. But if we can wait as long as possible and let some of these antibody tests come into play and, and go that direction, I think we're we're going to be much better off for it. I agree completely because I just want to wait as long as we can. And just like you said, it's not the show managers or the state fair boards that are ultimately going to decide this. It'll be local and state government that makes those decisions on whether those events are allowed to happen or not. I know that on that post that you talked about on my Facebook and just in general, people contacting me and I have said, well, why can't we have these shows just the livestock show? You know, get rid of the carnivals, get rid of the concerts, don't have the rodeos. That's where the masses and the crowds are. That's where the liability is. Just let the kids have the show. In theory, that's a great idea. The problem is that these state fairs, even county fairs, these large events, major shows, it's the revenue generated from the carnival, the rodeo, the concerts, things like that. The masses of spectators coming and buying the ticket and going to the corn dog stand, etc. That revenue allows us to have a livestock show along with this event. It's not an either or proposition. And so we've got to take that into consideration too. And I, I said from the day Houston got canceled, to Austin, to OIE. I was there both days when Houston and Austin got canceled. This is not the stock show people or the leaders of these events that want to do it. They're not having choices in the matter. And we've got to under be forgiving and understand that to some point. And even though this may be behind us in terms of this first wave of Miss Rona, liability is going to be the new issue that we have to worry about in terms of these events coming up. No, I agree 100% with Ryan. And, and not only is it affecting our junior livestock shows, and obviously our podcast is geared towards the junior stock show industry, but I think we need to open our minds up and, and look at the big picture because I've had several people contact me about, is there any feeding space or floor space to house livestock, specifically pigs? Here in the Midwest, we've had some plant closures. As of yesterday, 15% of the shackle space was no longer available. That was available a couple months ago. And the production system runs so tight and so close to shackle space. Anytime we move a couple percent down in shackle space, the, the prices are affected. Everything's affected. It's to the point where there's a gentleman in the state of Indiana heading towards the packing plant late last week. 
and en route the packing plant calls him and, and says, hey, we, we can't take your hogs. We don't have enough employees to open the plant today. He did his best to try to find somewhere else to go and could not. He tried to give the hogs away and nobody would take them. And we're really to that point. We saw last week negative oil prices when we got a spot contract closing the oil prices on, on just a few contracts dipped down into 30 or $40 into the negative, which means there's no storage space. There's tankers with oil on it. There's nowhere to go with it because consumption is so, so low right now with everybody staying home. We're going to see the same thing, and we are seeing it. I don't know if everybody realizes it. The media is just now picking up on it, that there is nowhere to go with these livestock, and we can't just pull the plug and shut it off. We have larger swine breeders no longer breeding sows. They're aborting some of the sows that, that have been bred, and unfortunately, even having to euthanize some of the baby pigs. That's all happening right now to try to prevent future losses. But right now, there's a lot of pigs on feed that are 250 pounds, 300 pounds, even some much over 300 because they're waiting for that shackle space or that slaughterhouse to, to open up and have enough space to, to bring these hogs in. And it just it doesn't exist. And there's two reasons. One, because some of the employees are testing positive for COVID-19. They shut down to clean the plant, test the employees before they, they come back in. And secondly, we have a problem that I want to address ever so briefly here. Some of the employees are, are getting their, their corona checks, they're getting unemployment, they're getting more money to stay home than they are when they go to work. And I'm not saying we don't need to help people out and there's a lot of issues. I've even participated in the payroll protection program and, and that goes against some of my beliefs as a, a very conservative-minded person. But we, we are experiencing some tough times and, and people do need help. But when the government puts us in a position that people can stay home and earn more money than they can going to work, human nature is going to keep a large percentage of those at home. And unfortunately, when it involves essential things like the processing plants or any form of production agriculture, we need that product going through the plant to feed the masses. And I can assure you, when there's when it starts showing up in the grocery stores where you, you can't get the pork or the beef or chicken. We've seen that sporadically so far, and we had enough product in the in the coolers and the freezers. We're good for a couple of weeks, but I promise you, in the very near future, we're going to see shortages, and it's going to start to panic people, not only in the meat production side, but Ryan was talking uh, with me earlier today about the vegetables and a lot of that direction that was going to have shortages as well. That's going to get people's attention when it happens at the grocery store level and or the major media starts talking about it. And you're, you're starting to hear some of that right now. But I can't emphasize how serious this is going to be. And guess what? It just doesn't affect that swine producer or that cattle producer. When we have that many hogs going to, to market or sows not being bred and we're, we're ending up decreasing numbers and we have less animals on feed, all of a sudden, it affects the corn prices. There's The ethanol plants are essentially shut down. So you're already getting hit on that side. Now, if you don't have a place to go with that corn and the soybean meal and other feed products, it's, it's going to be an issue that we have to deal with across the industry. It's not just the livestock producers, not just the pork producers and the, and the cattle feeders. When we pull that much production, animal production out and, and feed consumption drops that much, along with ethanol plants essentially shut down because of such low oil prices, it's going to get tough for a couple months. But we can get through this. We will get through this. It's going to recover. All of it's going to turn around.
but I just want people to be aware we're going to have a few weeks, maybe even a couple months that it's going to get a little bit sketchy. And I think the public's going to realize in hindsight that, wow, this production agriculture, this is what happens when we have a glitch and we're going to see some glitches and we're going to, we're going to work our way through it, but it's going to make everybody very much aware that, wow, I can't go to the grocery store every day and expect to buy chicken, pork or beef or lettuce or strawberries. All of those things takes a, an incredible amount of people to, to put together and to get the logistics to get that product to the grocery store. So it's going to impact everybody. It's going to be a little bit challenging, but I am confident that we're going to move through this and, and it's going to work out. But just be prepared for, for some things that maybe we haven't seen yet. In my mind, I listen to the news and it sounds like we're easing up things and we're getting through this. I think we are from a virus standpoint, but some of the economical impacts are still going to be felt. And, and unfortunately, we, we do need to start thinking even more about those states like Illinois that are still on extremely tight lockdown. Are we going to completely destroy the economy if we go much further? And there's a lot of negative that comes with that, including human life like we're trying to protect. So we, we need to find that balance. I don't know where the balance is, but let's hope we can, we can find a path that, that takes us that direction. Well, Dale, I'm just going to tell you, you have officially depressed the hell out of me now. But anyway. I apologize. I wasn't trying to depress anybody. I just wanted to get, get some information out there. And it's not, it's not necessarily depressing. It's just here it is. Most people in, in the, the swine industry, obviously, they're aware of it. The corn and, and soybean farmers, the other grain farmers, it's there. It's just I don't know that it's hit the, the public. And sometimes we start thinking about our little stock show world and, and all of those things. And it's, it's so valuable and we get so much out of it. We need to look outside the box. At, wow, there's some things going on that, that indirectly are going to affect our industry and in the stock show world as well. Oh, I know it's there. And like I said, I, we talked about it between ourselves on the news that it's really getting a lot of mainstream media attention right now started with the pork crisis but now the last 24 hours it's really been a push in terms of the you know the producers of uh produce producers and vegetables and crops and stuff like that while i agree that it's definitely something that we're gonna have to work through and get through you still have just depressed me so i'm going to move on to a different topic (laughs) What's before you even before we go that direction? There's one more thing I wanted to bring to, to light, and when you talk about depressing, when it oh great, when it hits the news that we have mass graves, and maybe the best example in, in the early 1990s, Australia would dig massive holes or massive graves and just run sheep into it because of the wool crisis, and it devastated their economy for several months, uh, if not a year. And I'm afraid that we we are looking at something like that in some of these livestock if we can't find shackle space in the, the the harvesting plants that's basically what's what's going to have happen and when we see that on on the major news or, or there's a video clip of something like that going on that's going to be depressing and that's going to get a lot of attention you are just a ray of sunshine del hummel i mean just absolutely but we need we need to bring Jack on here so we can support some of these these theories I have. Jack is going to support me and not you. But anyhow, moving on. This is why I don't think you should get to talk as much. But so the big portion of our podcast today and someone I am so excited to get to talk to and erase all these terrible things that Dale Hummel's visions have put in my head now is the one, the only jumping Jack TikTok. Hoyle 
of Arkansas. Jack, are you there, my friend? I'm here. I'm doing great. I'm feeling amazing after hearing all these beautiful, happy things out of Dale's mouth this morning. Same, boy, same. I mean, don't you just feel lucky to be alive and just embrace life? I mean, completely. Great foot to start off on. Oh, I mean, I'm just personally thrilled. But uh, we do want to thank you, Jack, for, first off, participating in our contest. And I will have to say that of all the very articulate, intelligent, creative people that entered our contest, and we thank everybody for participating, there was no doubt that your video stood out amongst the crowd. It was by far the most unique, and the production value on it alone was top, top notch. And so, I again, congratulations on being the winner. And we thank you for being here with us. And we're also going to make you sign a statement of liability that we're not going to have to get you a shrink that wants a challenge (laughs) from listening to Dale's doomsday talk. (laughs) Thank you, Ryan. I appreciate that. And and I like Ryan. I'm excited to have Jack on board. And Jack, I can tell you that uh, Ryan did have another another one in the video that had said something about a crown and a beauty pageant and uh, had a cheetah print coat on that he was pretty high on. And I actually know that young lady very well, and she'd be an excellent guest. But Jack, we're we're excited that you're here. We're excited to discuss whatever topic you'd like to go down. I did take a chance to to watch some of your TikTok videos, and and the first thing that I want to get out of the way is I know your family pretty well, and I've had the the fortune to know Jack and his sister Riley for for several years now. I'm not sure that your mother or father would approve of you jumping off the roof. I thought it was great. Thank you very much. There's a couple of things on, on my uh, social media that, that my parents aren't too thrilled about, but uh, I've kind of started that as my own thing. I actually started making videos and being on those different platforms without their knowledge, so and uh, not something I would recommend, not, not something they were too thrilled about when they found out, but uh, I've been having a lot of fun kind of taking down on my own path and doing things on my own there, and it's a really interesting little experience I'm getting to have, but thank you very much for selecting my video, just out of those top 10 there, and when I went into making it, I was about to just do the same thing everything else, everybody else was doing, sit down, talk about showing, all those different things, but I kind of thought about it and realized that there would be a lot of very intelligent, very well-spoken people, and it would be a little hard just to make myself stand out by doing the same thing they were, so I decided to take a little bit of a different path with my video production method. Well, I personally applaud you being different and unique. And, dude, I feel you on the parents not knowing about the social media of it all. Because, <laughs> I mean, I granted, we're only like, you know, 10 years apart in age or whatever. But, I mean, <laughs> if you knew the number of times that my mother has called me and said, Oh, my God, what are your friends one of my friends said that you did so-and-so on Facebook. What are you thinking? Are you trying to ruin me? <laughs> Every day of my life, Cherie. Yes, that's what I live for. But again, I think it was I think it was great and it was different. And Dale, I, I realize that I am not Hummel Livestock. And I did have another girl in the contest that wore a crown and had cheetah print and had better hair and makeup than Jack. But Jack won and he deserved to win. So I, again, do not appreciate you trying to throw me under the bus with our guests and try to get him on your side of things, because that's not how this is going to work. This is fair and equal here, and I'm going to talk to Jack now about 
some of the things he does on his social media that I find very interesting. So, Jack, tell me about branding yourself. Branding yourself is one of those decisions that you make and you go to sleep and you wake up and then you, you it takes you a second to realize that you made that decision and then you immediately ask yourself why you did and you don't really have an answer. But uh, I don't get a, as, quite as much sleep as is medically recommended. So when it's two or three in the morning, and I'm just sitting there doing uh, nothing productive. My mind likes to wander. And then one day it just wandered into uh, heating up a paper clip with a lighter and sticking it onto my ankle. See, I feel you because I don't I don't even know what the recommended medical sleep is, but I know I don't get it ever. And I have been that way my whole life. Like my mother, when I was a small child, she used to like put Benadryl in ice cream and make me eat it at night so she could knock me out. <laughs> this is the truth, people. I mean, this is this is how things happen. So I get the sleep deprivation and doing stupid stuff. But I just want you to know, I feel you because I know a whole lot of people that have branded themselves, friends of mine, friends of friends of mine, frenemies, etc., I've been there when it's happened. It looks very painful. So I have never done it. Not that I'm personally against it. Not that we're condoning small children around the world to go brand themselves. But, but. <laughs> Don't do it. Uh, I understand what's happened because I couldn't ever personally do it because I got a tattoo the first day I went to college and I thought the end of the world had come to an end. <laughs> and so I can't even, that's just a little needle. It's not like I hot scalding iron on flesh so yeah i couldn't ever do it but i did i was like when i saw that i was like i get this i've been there i know lots of people that do it but that was that was one of the things and the other deal that i saw on your tiktok a lot is you are like the backyards gymnastics gold medal winner of the world i mean not only do you jump off roofs but like simone biles needs to get some lessons from you on stuff because like <laughs> I mean, it's really, really impressive. Thank you. Does that help you in showing your animals? I'm sure that plays a part in there somewhere, just being able to move, you know, being real flexible. I kind of got into tumbling in the backyard a little bit when my sister was a, a lot younger before she got into all the softball and stuff. She used to do gymnastics, and little four or five-year-old Jack would sit there and watch her struggle to tumble ac uh, across the mat, and I would come back and try to figure out how to do it in the backyard. And I've just been trying, kind of doing stuff like that ever since. I taught myself I do a couple different tumbles and flips, cartwheels, front handsprings, and eventually it escalated to jumping off of buildings and stuff like that. You may be wasting your skills in the backyard. Like, we may need to, like, you know, just get you a little bit of coaching, and then, like, you could be the new 2020 version of Simone Biles, but male, with better hair. I mean, like... I'd be all for it. I mean, I know the Olympics are canceled, but we still got time to train you. So, like, when we get off this show, we're going to we're gonna go call Bella Carusi or whatever his damn name is, and I'm going to get you an appointment. <laughs> I'm going to hook you up. I will be your manager. I got this. We got plenty of time to prepare. Oh, yeah. It does. I'm sure Dale's getting real frustrated that we're not talking enough about livestock. So, Dale, I'm sure you have some questions to ask Jack about livestock and promote Hummel Livestock Goats, as you always do. But next, moving on. No, and and I, I enjoy talking about Jack's TikTok. Actually, for those of you that are unaware, Jack has over 70,000 TikTok followers. And his crazy mind and the different things he's throwing up there is obviously popular and, and drawing a lot of 
attention on the social media. And I, I would have to say at that, at that age with 70,000 followers, he, he may have an easy life. And Jack, we, we hope you do. We hope you continue with that. <laughs> Jack, I want to say I am one of your followers and normally I only go on TikTok for the hot cops. So the fact that I follow you, that's a big deal, dude. I feel very honored. Time out. Ryan, Ryan, you realize those cops on TikTok are not real cops. They are real cops. And when Corona gets over, I am going to do a survey of which metropolitan area has the hottest cops. And this bitch is moving. I am. <laughs> Jack, I, I apologize for, for my co-host here on occasion. But I think, as you can tell, I can't control him. I mean, who could? It's not something I can do. Those are real cops. They are real. And it is literally the hashtag, cops of TikTok. Peep, cops don't lie. They are here to serve, protect, and tell the truth. (laughs) (laughs) If that makes you feel better, you just keep going with that, okay? My story, I'm sticking to it. Leave me alone. (laughs) Jack, let's let's move on away from the, the cops on TikTok. Um, I've, I've known Jack families, as I, I stated earlier, for, for several years now and, and get to, to work with them at the different stock shows. And Jack, tell us just a little bit about uh, what shows you uh, as a family go to and what species that you've been working with the past few years and, and maybe some of your highlights. Of course, we attend all of our regional jackpots, you know, our district, county shows, and we attend our state fair. And here in the past couple of years, we've been starting to branch out and go to more national shows. It was three or four years ago, I think, was the first time we went to the Arizona National. And since then, we've gone to Louisville, Denver, Exarban, and we're really starting to get into going to more of these national shows and competing on the more national level. We do show goats, sheep, and hogs. We don't really uh, compete with hogs on the national level, but we like to think of ourselves as being pretty competitive with goats and lambs pretty much anywhere we go. We never think that our animals look that out of place when we go to a show. So there's always at least that much. Excellent. And and obviously, and, and for those of you that don't know Jack, his older sister Riley's very involved, a very poised, intelligent young lady that does a nice job in the show ring. And, and at times, and I, I discussed this with Jack's father once in a while when Jack's in the ring and, and Riley's in the ring. You know what Riley's going to do each and every time. Pretty consistent, pretty solid, one of, the, one of the best ones out there. But on occasion, when Jack is not distracted in the ring, when he's focused on, on getting that animal shown, he's possibly as good or better than, than what his older sister is if he's not distracted. Would that be accurate, Jack? Thank you very much for that, sir. I, I think uh, it can be a little difficult for me to focus at times. My brain's a little spastic, but... I think once I really get dialed in, I can do all right every, every now and then at least. No, in all seriousness, Jack Jack gets out there and, and has really gotten the job done here recently. And particularly the, the goats, is, it seems to be where the direction he's gone a little bit into the sheep arena. And I haven't had the chance to watch him show show hogs. That's, I think, a little more on their, their local level. With that, Jack, and, and as we... Are y'all over y'all's love affair yet? <laughs> I think we're going to continue if that's okay. <laughs> Have y'all had enough of this bromance yet? I'm just asking because I'm just sitting over here waiting for y'all to get done. What would you like to talk about? <laughs> well, thanks for bringing it back to me. But anyway, um, so Jack, even though I did love your video, like loved it, thought it was very cool. The one little thing that I have to take issue with you about is like the first part of the video, you said that you show what you show and then you turn around on your little chair and your suspenders and said that was all boring. Now. I'm going to forgive you because obviously you have never been to a show where the gay has judged or you would have never been bored and said that lifestyle shows were boring. But it is not your fault that you have not been blessed to see all this in action. So 
everybody, please forgive Jack. He did not mean that. Time, just- time out, time out, time out. He was at Arizona National. Ryan, did you judge it there in Arizona <laughs> National? I didn't judge the goats. And I'm sure, slave driver Hummel, you wouldn't let him out of the barn to I come did- see all this. <laughs> I did not restrict him to the barn. Jack is a very free spirit, I've, I've noticed at the shows, and, and he he goes and does what he pleases. He just chose not to come Here watch Here we're you, back with the bromance. Great. Mm-hmm. This is discrimination. I would love to attend the show where you were judging. Uh, we were pretty busy wrapped up for the Arizona National this year. I didn't see you in person, but I did see the big pile of glitter that you re- left in the show ring after you picked, was it your grand steer this year at Arizona? Yes, sir. Okay, it was a very nice pile of glitter I saw in there when I was watching my sister walk in, but it's not that I consider uh, showing livestock or attending any of these shows to be boring. What I was attempting uh, to say there is that that was just the information that any of the candidates that were competing in this event would say. They'd say what they showed, where they showed at, where they were from. Just getting all the boring stuff out of the way first, just to get on to what I was thinking would be more likely to win some votes, you know? And win them, you did, obviously. It was kind of a landslide. But <laughs> I just wanted to bring that out there that I forgave you because you have not got to see all this. And, of course, Dale and you had to go back to your bromance. But anyway, that's fine. We'll move on. So I always find it interesting that most kids that I know that show, they do lots of different things. And obviously, in your video, you displayed lots of different things you do, like, you play 17,000 instruments, you're a woodworker, you're a philosopher, uh, you studied stars, you're also a welder. Uh, like, is there anything that you have not tried yet? Well, uh, my brain seems to have some trouble staying on one subject for a long period of time. That's why I don't participate as much in, like, baseball or basketball. After a few months, my brain seems to get tired of certain things. So I just try to stay involved in as many different things as I can to keep myself engaged and not really get bored of anything. So every couple of months, I just kind of start learning a new skill that I don't don't really know anything about just to keep my curiosity levels up. The more you know, you know? Well, I gotta tell you, I was impressed because, like, I saw you, like, doing some welding or some stuff like this. And, you know, in high school, I had to take all these ag classes so you could show. And this one time in this ag mechanics class, they thought that I needed to learn how to weld. Of course, that was a terrible idea. And several innocent people almost died. (laughs) But the fact that you can do all that and you make all these instruments and all that, it was really, really impressive to me. And I'm not just saying that to BS you. I was like, this kid's really, really talented in a lot of different ways. So I was impressed with that. Plus, you do all that and show livestock and win at that and you also get to be Dale Hummel's biggest cheerleader. So that all takes a lot of time. <laughs> Thank you very much, sir. Uh, I think you're very busy. <laughs> we got into more of the livestock showing. That was kind of a family deal. We got into it really young. It's bloomed into something that we're really passionate about and seem to be pretty successful at this point. And I just have a lot of hobbies to keep myself engaged in other things. And Jack, we, we haven't brought in how the coronavirus has necessarily affected you're showing, and, and I know that obviously Arkansas has a later state fair, and I don't know if you'd normally be out jackpot showing right now, but how is, how is the coronavirus and COVID-19 impacting your, your show career right now? As of right now, it hasn't impacted us too much. It's given us more time to work in the barn, seeing as we aren't still at school right now. It's still be a couple of weeks till we got out of school, so we're getting to halter break some of our animals a little bit earlier, getting to chain break some of them. And just kind of getting to work with them a little bit more right now than they usually would be. 
and our jackpot season wouldn't start for about another month or so. And even the ones that are then, there's not too many. So we don't think that'll be too terribly affected. And seeing as our state fair is not all the way back till October, we're praying right now that it won't be affected at all. We can just keep going on with that just as we would normally. And we're really hoping that it will be now, seeing as we've already got a barn full of animals. No, absolutely. And, and then you're, I think, one of the lucky ones. We, we feel for those on the West Coast and even, even the East Coast, some of those that are getting to the jackpot shows and that season's just now starting up here in the Midwest. And it's going to be a little sketchy here for, for a little while. And I'm not sure what, what direction it's going to go. But one thing that I, I do appreciate, and we'll talk about it just a little bit here, the virtual shows. We've had a lot of questions about virtual shows and and a lot of different things. And I guess they're saying we're doing these virtual shows for the junior exhibitor so they have something to do. Just real briefly, I don't know that we can make a virtual show as good as a we, we can't make a virtual show as good as a live show. And there's no exact way to make the virtual show. And a lot of people working on a lot of different platforms trying to do their best. The little bit of exposure that I've had to it, I think it's it's certainly something we need to continue to do while this is going on. But at the same time, it's difficult in terms of people getting out there and getting those videos. Jack, is a virtual show something you would consider? Or is it on your radar? Where, where are you at at this time? Well, right now we're hoping that we won't, it won't be necessary for us to compete in any virtual shows. And I, I would prefer not to have to. And I think uh, you and Mr. Rash, there are probably two of the uh, best ones to speak on this topic. Y'all have both judged virtual shows in the past. Ryan's probably judged more than anybody else has. And to me, it just seems like there's a lot more that would play into it on not the livestock level that takes into effect on who would win more than just a normal show. When you're videoing these animals, uh, you have to look at who has more experience using a camera, who has a better backdrop to film on, who has a quieter place to film in, who has a better, like just all these different factors that could play into it. Who knows how to use the camera better, who can get the better angles, who can cover up the flaws in these animals. There's a lot of skill that plays into it that doesn't actually have to do with the quality of the livestock. So I don't think it's quite as fair to the exhibitors when they're having to compete in these virtual shows that might have an amazing animal, but they don't know how to video and they don't have a good backdrop and they're beat by somebody who just knows to cover up these flaws, seeing as the animal won't be felt of it all, seeing as they have a really good backdrop, they're beat by somebody they shouldn't have been beat by originally. And I think it's something that you'll see a lot of people not too happy about, but I think it's just good to give kids an opportunity to have something to do. Ryan, and you've you've done more virtual shows as as Jack alluded to than anybody. What what are your thoughts there? What what's your been your experience on on judging the virtual shows and some of the things that you're seeing? Well, uh, first off, I think the reason that I've judged more virtual shows than anybody is because I'm free. But anyway, I've literally told people that I would do it for free during the Miss Rona crisis. But uh I've said this from the very first one I've judged, and I am somebody that in a regular show ring, I am always very confident in what I love, admire, like, dislike, hate, and livestock. And uh, I tell people all the time, I'm seldom wrong and never in doubt. And that's just kind of how I feel. But uh, virtual shows, they just bring so many different challenges in a lot of way that, again, I think in the end I'm getting them sorted correctly, but there are just so many different variables that come into play that never happen and don't come into play into a regular ring. And, you know, Jack touched on some of those, depending on how good you are with the camera in terms of production, things like 
what that background is of that video, if there are people in the background that are trying to help out and assist, things from how level the ground is that this video is being shot on, what not only the exhibitor's wearing, but again, if there's anybody in the background, what they're wearing, things that would never come into play in a million years at a regular stock show. And I don't, I can't explain to people unless they've done it, how this distracts you from just sorting the pros and cons in that animal. Because at most shows I judge, there's normally hundreds of people standing around their ringside and it never affects me whatsoever at all. What kids are wearing doesn't affect me other than I'll refer to them as the little girl with the purple sparkle bow or the young man in the green gingham shirt. But just little things like that in terms of these virtual shows, they're just things that you notice more often. And again, without having those animals in the same ring, you can go back and forth and replay those videos 20 times, one right after another, if you're down to a top pair, whether it's in a breed champion or a grand reserve situation. And you can sit there where I could make that decision, even if it was close in two minutes in a regular ring, it might take me 10 in a virtual show. And so there are a lot of different challenges in it. Again, I'm not bashing on virtual shows at all. Uh, obviously, I'm uh, supporting them because I have volunteered my efforts in sorting them. Uh, I think it's something that's necessary for these kids at this time. It will never replace a live show. The sights, the sounds, the scenes, the adrenaline rush from when you go in the ring, whether you're a parent, exhibitor, or judge, None of that's going to be replaced, but it is something that is giving these kids something to work forward and work through as we go through this until we're opened up and allowed to show again. Oh, thank you, Ryan. And I agree 100% with that. And I've only judged one virtual show so far, but I've had several of our clients and families send me videos of their goats that they want to put into a virtual show and even some sheep and some pig pictures, even a couple steers. Um, and most of them are requiring a short video. And, and I guess my recommendation that I consistently tell those that are that are seeking my advice when they send those video, videos to me to look at and say, well, which video do you like the best? And obviously people are taking numerous videos to try to get that one that's going to work the best. More times than not, less is better. And, and Ryan and I have talked about this a little bit off the air. And, and if we can get that, that animal videoed stuck, from the side, front, and rear, and do the same on the move, and then just end it. We, we don't need to keep going longer, because the longer we go, the longer Ryan or myself or another virtual judge has to, to find those faults. And, and it's a competition. We'd like to win. So let's take advantage and do the best we can. It doesn't matter whether we're in a virtual show or a real show. If, if you're going to enter into that event, Let's do the best we possibly can and, and think through it. Let's let's think outside the box and, and figure out a way. What's what's the best way to get this video of this particular animal? A suggestion I have for some of those those of you in Arkansas, I'd call Jack Hoyle and hire him to come out and do some videoing. Uh, well, first off, Dale just took my idea because we talked about this already. I have already gone into business with Jumpin' Jack TikTok Hoyle on the virtual show videos of all that also i do not know why del hummel is trying to like ease in here <laughs> and get a percentage because no that's not gonna happen because after i watched his video and saw how great his production was i was like you know we can make some money on this and so you just need a backup dale bye-bye but 
the one time you will hear this out of my mouth, <laughs> less is more, Dale is right on the virtual videos. I mean, obviously, y'all have all seen what I look like, how much extra I am. This one thing in life, he is correct. Less is more is the best approach in terms of virtual stock show videos. And it, I mean, give enough time to see that animal clearly, correctly. And less is more also goes from the background as plain as you can find one. Just less is more is the best approach all the way around on that. But uh, if if Jumpin' Jack does go into the virtual reality stock shows of it all, I do not want to compete against him. But I do want to be his business partner. And again, we're going to pick that up later after the podcast. Y'all be getting an email from us shortly. <laughs> Jack, I'm sure if you you want to go that direction, or or maybe your sister could talk you into it, or do some for yourself. But you you made the point that that understanding how to get a video and how to put things together it's huge. And some of the skills that you've you've obviously acquired, it's 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 interesting. We take something from TikTok to the junior livestock shows, but I think that's going to go a long ways in life, and and I hope it it does for you. Back to those virtual shows, I have heard a little bit of grumbling from some people that have already competed in, in these virtual shows saying, well, I've got the best Berkshire guilt that I've ever had. And, and she stands second in class. We've got to be a little bit more understanding of people like Ryan or others that are sorting these virtual shows. Guys, we're, we're looking at a short video clip, maybe just a photo. It's not going to be the same as it is when you're there in person sorting those, those animals and sorting those stock. There's going to be some that that make me. It's it's hard, I guess, is the best way to put it. And Ryan kind of alluded to it, but I promise you, the little virtual show that that I did already, uh, or here recently, it would have taken me a few minutes to sort these these classes in real world, real life, or real time, or in in person. It was much much more difficult to sort those off of pictures or off of videos and. There's going to be some mistakes that there are some decisions, I should say, not mistakes necessarily that are made by these judges that you aren't going to understand. But if if you put yourself in their shoes and realize they're they're trying to sort off of a picture or video, guys, and that's difficult sometimes. Right. And like Dale said, uh, I do think that with virtual shows, it's opening up a little bit of a problem in terms of the fact that I think that there are those people out there that have been competitive or will be competitive and maybe the virtual shows aren't going their way. There are other people that may not go to jackpot shows as much, but see this as an opportunity for them to do something without the hassle of, you know, traveling multiple hours and spending lots of money, going to a jackpot show. And I think because they're not there in person at that show that they are more liable to reach out and try to contact that sorter and question that person's judgment. And I don't think that's a place that we need to go to. And again, like Dale said, it's not that they're making a mistake. It's their opinion in that given environment and that given, you know, virtual layout that they've been given to judge that show in. And so again, I just think that we need to remember that we're doing this for the kids and giving them something and work towards and for during this time and use it for what we can, but also still remember that everybody's doing their best 
in this situation, in this new horizon and new, you know, venue of virtual stock shows. Absolutely. And I don't know if virtual stock shows are going to be around after Miss Rona, but we're sure happy that they're they're there now. They're certainly saving some of those West Coast County fairs that that are canceled. They're they're jumping onto the virtual show. And I think it's it's a good good thing to do. It gives those kids a chance and it allows some of those to move on to that that once they go through their virtual show, they're going to their their standard auction. I know there's gonna be difficulties, there's gonna be hurdles, but hopefully that can continue to to lead to some sense of of normalty that 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 the kids are still showing in essence and they're still be able to sell those those animals on a on an online type sale auction and and hopefully it continues to go forward. Um Jack, do you have any anything you'd like to to put into this? You you I have not participated in a virtual show. Have have you discussed it with your sister or have you discussed it with your parents at all? We have all talked about what we, uh, what the possibility of having to compete in some maybe as jackpots this summer. We're planning on, if it's able to, just avoiding having to go through the hassle of doing a virtual show like that and maybe just in turn finding another uh, in-person jackpot show that's going on at the same time that we could attend. But I think y'all definitely made some amazing points and just saying it's really hard to actually judge the quality of some stock just by a picture or a video. Anybody who's ever bought an animal at an online sale will attest to how different something can look online how in, in a picture in real life. And something I've been curious to hear from somebody who's judged these shows before, how different is it in the goat or lamb arena when you can't get your hands on an animal like that? Okay, so I have judged basically by now one of every species. And, I, and uh, one was a breeding heifer show, but the rest of them have been market shows. And so uh, that's been a lot of the comments, not not made to me directly, but about virtual shows in particular, if they are market animals, how are you supposed to judge whether, you know, they're finished correctly or especially in goats and lambs, how they handle in terms of their muscularity, etc. Well, you can't, you can only go by those visual indicators and you can still see muscle delineation and pop in a picture or video. Uh, you can tell, through external indicators in terms of their chest and, you know, in their flank, a decent idea of how much finish or fat cover those animals have. But no, you're not going to be able to. So again, that takes a whole lot of, especially in lambs and goats, things that you would prioritize and sort those animals on away from you. And you don't have that at your disposal in making those decisions. So again, it's a, going to be something that has a lot is a lot more open to interpretation in terms of not only the sorter sorting those animals but the participants and the exhibitors understanding it and then a whole nother thing that i don't think i've ever brought up before but i it just kind of dawned on me right here one of the biggest things at livestock shows for almost all people whether they're they're you know, because it's a social activity for them and they like doing it with their family or they are there and they are super competitive to win. I think everybody pays attention to those couple of minutes that that judge describes their animal and lets them know why they stood where they are. In virtual shows, you don't have that. Or none of the ones that I have judged yet has it been where you talked the animals on why they were placed in the class, 
Uh, I've got a Zoom call coming tomorrow night where I'm going to talk a grand drive, but that'll be the first one that I've talked at all, any set of reasons whatsoever. So when you don't have that explanation, you send your video in, you worked hard on it, you and your kid did the best you could, you pay that entry fee, and they come back and tell you you were third out of four, and there's no explanation for it, I can understand why somebody would be frustrated and want to seek out and know why. I think that's a very good point you made there, sir. Uh, it's like when you're talking about hearing the judge speak the reasons on your animal, it's a very big part for the kid when he's in there. Just getting a reason why he didn't win that class when he thinks he really deserved to can definitely make up and give a re- like a putting a reason behind why they didn't win with this animal they've been working so many hours for can keep the frustration down a little bit. And everybody feels a lot more confident when they're behind the screen than they do in person. So I bet there's a lot of negative feedback happening that wouldn't be normally. And when talking about the fit and finish of the animal, somebody that might have access to a better, more qualified fitter is a lot more likely to do well in one of these show, uh, online shows than somebody who doesn't. Amen and God bless America, Jumpin' Jack. Excellent. Well, there was one more topic that we're going to move on to that uh, I spoke with Jack earlier. I said, what, what are some of the things you want to talk about? And obviously, junior livestock showing and, and some of those things came to the forefront, a little bit about TikTok and a little bit about virtual shows. But Jack is particularly interested in politics. Jack, uh, if you could please jump in and, and let us know some of your, your philosophies. I do enjoy politics or just uh, learning about politics today. It's a very interesting time for the United States politically. There's a lot of there's a lot of anger present uh, in different political views right now. I think more so than ever, people are really just mad at each other because they identify with a different viewpoint without even attempting to get to realize what that person actually believes in. Just viewing a person and judging them off of kind of what they say they identify with. There's a, like I know a lot of people who have just stopped speaking to me because they say, "Oh." You, uh, you, identify, you watch Fox News, you identify with Republican ideals. No, I don't want to be your friend. I don't want to talk to you like that. But I've, I have friends from every single different uh, walk of life, every single different political ideology. And people really, once you get to know a person, I think there's a lot more to a person than just what they believe in politically. And there are people on every side of the spectrum who are different. Like uh, there, I know plenty of Democrats and pretty liberal people who are extremely nice, polite people. And I'd be happy to talk with them any day of the week, be happy to hang out with them. But a lot of people will just say, no, I don't want to see that person. I don't want to hang out with that person just because they don't believe the same way I do. And especially now, uh, our generation or my generation specifically, just kind of a more teenager and a lot younger people don't have quite the voice that we're uh, said to have a lot of the time. People judge us based off a lot of the uh, slightly older generation. The millennial people who are closer to 20 to 25 are usually the people that are looked at as part of our generation. But with my experience, people I've talked to from all over our country and all over countries uh, all around the world, I have quite a few international friends I've met online now, people uh, that are younger now have just grown up in this really hostile political environment just everywhere, people mad at each other for no reason, and we're really more interconnected than we ever have been before. I can talk to somebody from Italy just as easily as I can talk to somebody five miles down the road, and just having that inner, uh, inner connection between all of us we realize that there's a lot more to each other than we have before. So I think our, the generation that's coming up right now is probably one of the most centered generations in history. A lot more, a lot more of us aren't right or left-minded. We just want to be able to look at things for what they factually are. We're tired of these different political news stations, these different ideologies trying to influence us one way or the other. 
We want to be able to make uh, decisions for ourselves just based off of what we believed in and what we've learned from life and our experiences rather than what some news station tells us to believe in. Wow. Well, thank God for you, Jumping Jack, because uh, I'm going to be honest with you. You sound way more intelligent and way more grounded and exponentially get it more than anybody I know in their 20s and most people overall. <laughs> I'm just and so if the kids of your age are going to be like you, then we are going to get this country back on track and the world fixed because points that you just put there, figuring out what you want to believe for yourself and looking at the issues and deciding on yourself, not because a news organization told you this or you grew up in a household that may have been prone to one political party or movement over the other. That's where everybody needs to be. And obviously you and Dale and everyone that is listening to this or knows me understands that I am like Trump's biggest fan. And I don't know why this is such a phenomenon, but I guess it's because there are not many gay people that are conservative and support Trump. <laughs> and since I do, and I do it loudly and proudly, that they just all think that this is just some kind of phenomenon that never happens before. But I took a lot of flack from some people in the livestock community, not many, a lot of people in the gay community when Trump was running in 2016 for supporting him. And to piggyback off what you said, I don't consider myself a Republican. I'm damn sure not a Democrat. Let me state that. <laughs> but I think that uh, I am more of an independent than anything else. But I look at a candidate, I listen to them, research what they believe in, what their issue stances on the issues are, what they want to implement, what they want to become. Now, granted, with most politicians, it's all a bunch of BS and they're lying to get elected, but you still got, just got to go by what they say. And, uh, and then a lot of people, whether they want to admit it or not, they vote with their hearts and not their head. So personalities and how you click with different candidates, that all fades in. But just because I am gay, I never thought that I should have to support the Democratic Party like 99% of other gay individuals do. And just because I'm a livestock person and most livestock people are conservative. I also don't think that I have to vote Republican. I vote on that particular candidate and what position they're running for office for and how I think they can best impact not only me, but that area, office, etc. So I really applaud your comments and your wisdom in that. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you. Make a really good point there in talking about how just different ways you live your life, people see you as you're supposed to be a Republican or you're supposed to be a Democrat just because either you have a different religious belief, you have a different occupation. People, I think the two-party system that the United States has is a very dangerous thing. When they were writing the American Constitution, they never intended for there to be a two-party system just because it doesn't inspire anything but hatred for one another. It doesn't, it doesn't make us more progressive. It just makes us mad at one another. That's what inspired the Civil War and what might inspire one in the future. I think the more people that could think the way you do, that just look at a candidate, Democrat or Republican, and look at what they believe in, or at least what they say they believe in, and then try to base their opinions off of that, instead of just what their parents told them to vote for, instead of what the news station they listened to told them to vote for, 
the more people that can just look at a candidate and say, oh, this is what I want to happen in our country, and then go with that and think very factually about it. That's how we can create progress in the United States right now. And I think uh, the, one of the things that our generation is really concerned with is we want less government control in our lives. The more things that we have, the freedom to do just uh, with our lives that we can control, the better for us. That's why a lot of the younger generation support President Trump. The Democrats right now are kind of the party of government control. They want more, uh, especially with socialism. That's basically complete government control in certain parts of your life. People want more of the, of the ability to control what takes place in their own lives and limit the amount of play that the government has in that. And I think that's something that Trump does really well. He's helping out the economy to simulate that, which is giving people more opportunities to get better jobs and put themselves up higher up in the world which is something I like, I think it's 63% of young people today under the age of 20 want to eventually go into a self-employed career. That's something that's really different than something we've done in the past. All of these people are wanting to put themselves up, work hard enough so that they can support their own lives. They want to be independent from what the government has to do for them. Jack, do not take this the w- wrong way, but I think I'm in love with you. I'm serious. Like, you are so... And when your parents hear that, I don't want them to, like you know, file criminal charges on me and get me put on a sex offenders list or anything like that. But I just literally listening to someone of your age with that viewpoint, I just want to hug you to pieces right now because it just gives me hope (laughs) for the future because I'm kind of with you on the mid twenties and people I'm like, I don't think they get it. And I know that Dale is probably shaking and twitching over there in a corner right now because he knows where this is headed because you kind of brought up socialism and Bernie and those Democrats and all this other stuff. And <laughs> I did see, and you know, he, he, he wants everybody to listen and love everybody. Unfortunately, that doesn't happen. But I did see that you have a, you had a Trump Pence sticker in your video. So give me your take on sleepy, creepy Joe Biden, please, from a young person's (laughs) perspective. No, no, I do have to say that, Dale, I think everybody should attempt to get along with one another no matter what everybody believes. I believe anybody from any religion can uh, just love anybody else equally the same. We don't have to discriminate just in different ways but that we live our lives. I uh, attempt not to judge anybody that I meet. I try to love every person that I meet or see on the TV and just try to not judge them for something that they might have done wrong in the past. And Joe Biden has made a couple mistakes in the past, and he, uh, right now, I think the biggest thing working against him when he, in his run for president is his medical and health issues. He seems to be a little uh, medically unstable, might have some of the, starting to show some of the signs of dementia, not really be able, being able to get his thoughts out. I mean, President Trump sometimes campaigns for uh, 17, 18, 19 hours a day, gets up, does the exact same thing the next day. Uh, Joe Biden some can't, can't speak after it's 7 p.m. He's a little too tired for that, you know. I think we need to have somebody in office who's a little more medically fit and a little more stable. Dale, you okay there? Have you, like, fallen out? I'm Do you need heart, I... heart palpitations? Do we need to call a paramedic for you? <laughs> no, this is, this is great. I... Good, because now I'm going to tell you what he said so politically correct. Joe Biden is senile, <laughs> and he cannot do the job. But is this all there is to it? I don't care. See, that that was Dale passing out right there. Holly, you better call the paramedics. He fell out of his chair. I 
I was just about to compliment both of you on how how professional you you were expressing your views and how proud I was of of this staying very PG thirteen. Yeah, that just went out right the window. Yep, you mm-hmm. did, and, and and I I know where you're at politically. I'm I'm probably not far off of that, but Jack, in in all reality, yeah, you just don't want the world to know. No, I'm I'm okay. I I'm I'm gonna probably be somewhere in between where you and Jack where I I. I have a very difficult time wrapping my my head around how we could elect somebody or even the Democratic Party could put somebody like Joe Biden up there as their presidential nominee when there's so many obvious issues that you don't you just you don't want somebody like that in the presidency. I think you make a really good point there when you talk about the uh, Democrats putting somebody like that up when they had so many options for their uh, nominations as a candidate. And uh, lots of the younger people that I've talked to that are, that are Democrats, they're more liberal-viewed people, they really don't support a lot of the things that Joe Biden believes in, and I don't think he'll have the full support of the Democratic Party right now. But I think what the Democratic Party struggled with so much this year while finding a candidate to nominate was that they had so many very aggressively differing viewpoints. They don't have one thing that they align themselves with right now. The Democratic Party doesn't really have a system of views that they all agree with. So every single candidate they had running had really vastly different viewpoints. Like if you look at uh, Mrs. Cortez or you look at Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden, those are three completely different viewpoints. Look at politics in a way from, but they're all shoved into the same Democratic category. So people are forced to pick between these three. And I think that'll result in a lot of people, like uh, a lot of people who vote more in an independent way. Like last year, I think there was two, I mean, uh, last a uh, time we elected Donald Trump, I think there was 200,000 people that wrote in Bernie Sanders for their presidential vote. I think there'll be even more who do that this time. He probably would have been more likely to get elected than Joe Biden was, which is insane to think that a socialist would have any likelihood of being elected in the United States. But he's just a really polite, personable person. He comes across very well. I think that's something that Joe Biden struggles with a lot of the time. Well, a couple of notes on that, Jack. Dale brought this up earlier that this country is kind of divided, and we are. But the Democratic Party is more divided than America in terms of its platform, what the direction it needs to go, etc. All that unites them is they want to beat Trump. Well, that's not enough. It's it's not. It, it just that is not enough because in the end, there are so many different directions that they're all spinning and turning and going that when they go, the people that aren't for Biden, and the only reason Biden won is they think he's the most electable, even though he can't string together two coherent sentences on in the basement of his house right now. They think he's the most electable. Well, like you said, the Bernie, they're not going to go vote for him. If they do go vote, they're going to do what you said. They're going to write in Joe Biden, or they're going to write in Bernie Sanders, excuse me, or is some weird out there third party candidate shows up they're going to vote for them because all they're united on is beating trump and i don't and i pray that that's not enough the other thing that i want to point out on you is you are a very polite young man and you have been brought up very well for you to use name miss aoc because (laughs) that woman is no lady at all but anyway I'm going to follow up on on what Ryan's saying, and I'm going to, I'm going to go out on the limb here just a little bit. I I agree completely with Jack and Ryan, and and how diversified the the Democratic candidates for president were through their 
their decision processes that they were making. And, and I think because of that, Joe Biden may be the most electable. But as Jack so well pointed out, and as Ryan said, the only thing they agree on is let's beat Trump. That is going to be the reason, in my opinion, that Donald Trump's going to get reelected is, is just what we go back to on, on Jack saying there's still the Bernie supporters out there. There's a lot of, of voters out there that didn't necessarily jump behind Joe Biden, even though he, he is their nominee. I don't know if they're going to be as motivated to get out there and vote and, and, and really push somebody like that. And and I'm I'm very much a conservative. I very much would like to see Donald Trump back in office. I'm not going to try to pretend any different. And because of those reasons, I think that Donald Trump has an excellent chance of getting reelected. I think it's a very good point you made there. The biggest problem that Trump has is they think that he's the racist, the xenophobe, he hates women, all this other stuff. Well, their candidate right now has got a problem, Joe, because he's committed to picking a woman to being his vice president. and. There's several that are running around. Dale's best friend, Hillary Clinton, endorsed him today. <laughs> and uh, he's looked at, he's looking at Klobuchar and Kamala Harris and, oh, Pocahontas, the crazy woman that's the governor of Michigan. Uh, I can't, oh, and Stacey Abrams, who still claims she's the governor of Georgia, even though she lost. But they're all, he's committed to picking a woman, and he thinks that's going to help him because Trump does have problems with the women's vote. But yet, Tara Reid, just this week, there is more evidence coming out every day that Joe Biden sexually molested or accosted this woman. She has now, there's now another man that is coming forward saying that he's still going to vote for Joe Biden, but he knows this happened because he was her neighbor and they talked about it. And then today, she has asked for Senator Biden's records to come out because evidently she even filed a complaint on this, but was never heard. So how can any of those women that he's considering for vice president stand up and say, yes, I'm going to stand behind you. I'm going to support you. You know, all that other when they ripped Kavanaugh apart trying to keep him from getting confirmed and this Me Too movement and all this that I think has is right. This woman deserves to be heard, but since the Democrats and the mainstream media don't want this story out there, they've been quiet about it, and I don't know how any one of those ladies that he's considering to be their vice president, if this scandal keeps going and there is more smoke and eventually a fire there, how they can say, yes, I am going to be your running mate, your VP, and I will stand with you, when all of them have been so involved in wanting women and the Me Too movement to be something on the forefront, and I just don't know how they're going to do that. And you don't have many opinions about <laughs> politics, right, Ryan? No, and I, I'm, I, I'm just glad you're still with us, Dale, and you're not gasping for air after all that. <laughs> no, this is great. This is great, Jack. I, I, I appreciate your, your insight on it. Ryan, I, I think we're going going down the right path as far as what I think all three of us want in, in the fall in terms of getting President Donald Trump elected. So it's 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 a good thing. We we hope we hope Miss Miss Rona doesn't doesn't interfere any further than than what she has. But it'll be interesting to see how this this all plays out. I, I hope 
that we have debates and we have to have those debates. I hear a little bit that Joe Biden is trying to avoid those. And I think that's a great plan on his part. But let's let's hope that doesn't happen. <laughs> yes, sir. It might have to have him sitting down. Well, I was trying to say, Jack, he can't stand upright for that long, <laughs> much less think. But I'm sure that Dale is probably wanting us to wrap up this discussion. And anyway, but Jack, I do want to say that I am just so impressed with you in so many ways. And I am beyond honored and proud for you to be our first junior spotlight on Beyond the Ring. We're going to get to know each other really well because we have all these business ventures that we have to go into (laughs) after we get off the show. And also, I am now decided that you need to be my running mate or you can be president and I can be your VP, but we'll have to get on that. Uh, I think, you know, bumper stickers are definitely in the works, but we'll get on that as well. But all seriousness, thank you, Jack. Uh, Again, just blown away by how impressive you are, how mature, articulate, obviously multi-talented young man. And I hope I get to meet you in person. And I hope that the next time I'm judging a show, even if it isn't GOATS, you will get to come over and watch me so you will understand that not all of us are boring. I can be extremely entertaining, but I feel a lot better knowing that there are young men and women out there that have your views and your viewpoints, and I just think you're brilliant, and I'm, I'm just beyond thrilled that you are our first guest. Thank you very much, Sean. I'm just super happy. Both of you super intelligent, successful men had me on here today. It was an honor that you just get here and sit down and talk to you and get to pick your brain for a little while. I'm very glad I got to be your first guest on the show. Jackson Stewart Hoyle, excellent job today. I, I expected nothing less. Thank you, young man. Thank you very much, sir. Ryan, I'm going to let you take us into episode four and what's, what's to come. Well, uh, it's going to be hard to top this one. I'm not going to lie. I was just, again, just blown away by that young man and glad that Dale didn't have to have, you know, mouth-to-mouth resuscitation when I got off on my tangent on politics, and he's still with us, so that's good. But episode four is going to be uh, a lot of fun, I think. It is going to be social media, stock show etiquette, and the do's and don'ts of what we both feel are right and wrong or indifferent in terms of social media. And so I'm sure we'll have quite a variance of opinion on some of these topics. I think we'll be similar on others, but I think it's something that needs to be addressed, has needed to be addressed for quite some time. And now more than ever, because we don't have stock shows to go to, and we are looking for more ways to keep our minds entertained and moving. I think people have turned to social media more than normal. And so uh, I am looking forward to addressing that subject next week. Excellent, as am I, Ryan, and I think there is going to be a, a nice debate on this and, and the do's and don'ts, and I'm not sure we're going to agree on everything, but I think we're going the same direction, and I think in general the past couple of years maybe it's it's gotten a little bit better, but we always have a a branch that goes off one direction or another and a little little battle here or there, but we we can discuss that. We're not afraid to bring on the, the difficult discussions and, and speak very honestly about some of the issues and some of the good that we have, like like Jackson Stewart Hoyle here today. That that was a wonderful interview or co-host situation. All appreciated. Everyone, until next week, stay positive, stay safe. We'll visit with you then. Bye now.